Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we finish the book of Nehemiah with chapter 13. On that day they read from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people, and in it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God, for they did not meet the people of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. Yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. As soon as the people heard the law, they separated from Israel all those of foreign descent. Now before this, Eliashib the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, and who was related to Tobiah, prepared for Tobiah a large chamber where they had previously put the grain offering, the frankincense, the vessels, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil, which were given by commandment to the Levites, singers and gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priest. While this was taking place, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the thirty-second year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I went to the king. And after some time I asked leave of the king and came to Jerusalem. And I then discovered the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah, preparing for him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And I was very angry, and I threw all the household furniture of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I gave orders, and they cleansed the chambers, and I brought back there the vessels of the house of God, with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also found out that the portions of the Levites had not been given to them, so that the Levites and the singers who did the work had fled each to his field. So I confronted the officials and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? I gathered them together and set them in their stations. Then all Judah brought the tithe of the grain, wine, and oil into the storehouses. And I appointed as treasurers over the storehouses Shelemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and Padeah of the Levites, and as their assistant Hanan the son of Zakur, son of Mataniah, for they were considered reliable, and their duty was to distribute to their brothers. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for his service. In those days I saw in Judah people treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in heaps of grain and loading them on donkeys, and also wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of loads, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I warned them on the day when they sold food. Tyrians also who lived in the city brought in fish and all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the people of Judah, in Jerusalem itself. Then I confronted the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this evil thing that you are doing, profaning the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers act in this way, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Now you are bringing more wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. As soon as it began to grow dark at the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I commanded that the doors should be shut and gave orders that they should not be opened until after the Sabbath. And I stationed some of my servants at the gates that no load might be brought in on the Sabbath day. Then the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. But I warned them and said to them, Why do you lodge outside the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time on, they did not come on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites that they should purify themselves and come and guard the gates to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember this also in my favor, O my God, and spare me according to the greatness of your steadfast love. In those days also I saw the Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. 
and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod, and they could not speak the language of Judah, but only the language of each people. And I confronted them, and cursed them, and beat some of them, and pulled out their hair. And I made them take an oath in the name of God, saying, You shall not give your daughters to their sons, or take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin on account of such women? Among the many nations there was no king like him, and he was beloved by his God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, foreign women made even him to sin. Shall we then listen to you and do all this great evil, and act treacherously against our God by marrying foreign women? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Eliashib the high priest, was the son-in-law of Sambalat the Horonite. Therefore I chased him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have desecrated the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus I cleansed them from everything foreign, and I established the duties of the priests and the Levites each in his work, and I provided for the wood offering at appointed times and for the first fruits. Remember me, O my God, for good. This is the word of the Lord. So the text is going to start out Similar to what we saw yesterday in chapter 12, verse 44, on that day, they did this thing. So that day being the day that the wall is dedicated, that Nehemiah has helped pioneer the rebuilding of that wall of Jerusalem. So what do they do this time? Well, now they're reading the book. They're reading Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. The people are hearing it. And in that hearing, they hear from Deuteronomy chapter 23 that the Ammonite and Moabite Moabite, should not enter the assembly. Why? The reason is because they have been forever, in that sense, punished. They did not aid Israel when Israel was wandering in the wilderness. Israel went down on the south side of the Dead Sea or Salt Sea. They were heading eastward, and then they turned to the north. They were going to go north until they got to the Jordan River, and then they were going to cross westward over into the Promised Land. That means they had to travel through the lands of Ammon and Moab, and the Moabite king very specifically curses them, or tries to at least, by hiring a diviner named Balaam. So this is what you're reading about. You can find that more in Numbers chapter 22 if you want to read that story. Instead of helping God's people, they tried to curse them and then destroy them. They wanted to fight them in battle after they were cursed but God turned it into good. So from the worship assembly, they are then removed, right? Verse 3, as soon as the people heard this statement, they threw the Ammonites or Moabites who were among them out. This is a question we can then talk about it with our children and the church today. Are foreigners still excluded? Are there people who can't come into our church? The answer to that is no. Because of the love of Jesus Christ, his death on the cross, which has forgiven all sins of all people. They've been wiped out. This is kind of a a law-gospel situation here. Sometimes you'll hear those say the law kills, the gospel makes alive. Well, in this sense, it would be the law separated, the gospel reunited. Um, And this is this wonderful blessing that all people have been made one in Christ. All those who have faith in him. So we rejoice. The next paragraph, this is almost paragraphical in terms of each paragraph being a topic of its own. So, paragraph starting at verse 4, Eliashib the priest takes one of those troublemakers from earlier in the book who tried to prevent the wall from being built, and he gives him one of the holy rooms in the temple. So, the chambers that surround the temple, 
that are to be used for holy purposes, such as storing the things for worship or storing the supplies for the the Levites and the priests. He emptied one of those rooms and made it a living quarters, in a sense, for Tobiah. Nehemiah wasn't there at the time. We learn in verse 6 that he had gone back to Artaxerxes, the king, just as, um, was it the end of chapter 1? No, it was chapter 2 that Artaxerxes asked Nehemiah how long he would be gone. Nehemiah doesn't actually answer that, at least for us, although he did answer the king satisfactorily. So 433 or 432 would be the time that he departs. So he's been there for 12, 13 years in Jerusalem working on this this project and being the governor of the people. And then he comes back. He gets leave of the king to go back to Jerusalem, and this is when he discovers all the evil that we're, we see in this chapter. So what Tobiah has done, he casts them out. Sorry, Eliashib has done, and he casts Tobiah out. See if your children can connect that event to something else. Who else got angry in the temple at seeing unholy things in the temple and threw stuff? Does that get you a picture of Jesus foreshadowing Jesus cleansing of the temple? The temple is to be used for what the temple was created for, to be the place of God's word for his people. And it was abused in Jesus' time and also in the time here of Eliashib and Tobiah. The next section we learn, in, starting in verse 10, that they were not providing for the Levites. So the Levites had fled They went to fields so that they could feed themselves. They could have food to eat. I would say from this, churches, care for your pastors. Make sure that they have food to eat, that their families have a roof over their head, that sort of a thing. Um, I'm thankful for the generosity of my congregation that they do so lovingly care for my family. So he confronts them. Why is the house of God forsaken? You've driven away the Levites. They can't care for it, so the place is not doing well. This is, I mean, this just goes back to chapter 10, verse 39, where the people all together said, we will not neglect the house of our God. And yet here it is, forsaken, neglected. So he has them bring in all the tithes again. He appoints, what is that, four men to oversee it all because they are reliable and they had the duty of distribution. This might remind you of Acts chapter 6, where they chose reliable men who would share the food with the widows so that the the apostles could keep preaching the word. We're going to see him three times. So verse 14, verse 22, and then verse 31. Pray to God to remember him for his works, for his faithfulness in doing what the Lord would have him do, and then be welcomed into God's kingdom. So remember me, my God, according to this, do not wipe out my good deeds. He wants to be remembered as faithful. So, I mean, you can talk about this with your children. How will Nehemiah be seen by God? How are you seen by God? How am I seen by God? Because of the promise that we have in Jesus, that forgiveness, we are all seen. Those who have faith, we are all seen as good and faithful servants, just as Nehemiah here would like to be seen. And he does show in verse 22 that it's not really for his own deeds, right? Spare me according to your, the greatness of your steadfast love. He, he acknowledges it comes from God himself. Verse 15 section, they are working on the Sabbath. They're breaking the third commandment. 
which again, Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 31, just the opposite. They said they wouldn't do such a thing. They're bringing in all the market uh, goods to sell. They have foreigners, so people from Tyre are mentioned, verse 16, although they live in the city at this point, bringing in goods to sell on the Sabbath. He confronts them again. What is this evil thing that you are doing profaning the Sabbath? Verse 18 is important. Did not your fathers act in this way, and did not God, our God, bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Repetition of history, repetition of sin, repetition of rebellion. The book of Judges is a cycle, cyclical, 12 times, 13 times. Even Revelation ends up being cyclical in that sense. Um, we see this throughout Scripture with our sin. We repeat it again and again and again. Here they are. They have just returned, well, generationally. They've been there for about 100 years. But they've only recently returned to their homeland, and yet they are so quickly doing some of the very things that got them destroyed by God's judgment in the first place. That's what Nehemiah is pointing out to them. Let us not do such things and bring on more of God's wrath upon ourselves. The next paragraph, then we see Nehemiah's response. How is he going to limit the temptations? Well, he's going to shut the doors of the city so that the foreign merchants can't come in. They can't sell their wares if they can't get into the city, so he locks them out. He even chases them off, as we see in that paragraph. He is the governing authority. He has the power, as we think of Romans 13, the power of the sword to do such a thing if he wanted to. It may seem a little harsh to us, but it's, it's within his bounds here as, as governor to do it. And then they listened. They did not come back again on the Sabbath after that point. The next section, they have married after foreign women. This has been explicitly rejected by Scripture. Going back to Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3, for the very reason that they will be led astray. If you trust in foreign, well, if you, if you marry foreigners, then they will bring their gods to you and you will be, you will be led astray. That's the problem. That's what's happening. It's even happening now. The children don't know the language of Judah, which is the language that the scripture is in. If they can't hear the word, what are they going to do? They're not going to believe in God. They're going to chase after idols. So this is a problem. So Nehemiah, again, responds. And this one, I mean, the response from Nehemiah seems to be increasingly extreme. This one probably bugs people, but again, he has, Romans 13, as governor of the power of the sword, he could execute people for idolatry if he wanted to. Now, granted, he would have to answer to the Lord for that. He would have to answer probably to Artaxerxes for that too. But he can do this, to have them punished for their sin, to try to dissuade future generations from repeating the same mistakes, because this is the very same thing Solomon did. As you read 1 Kings chapter 10 or 11 of the end of Solomon's life and what he's done, he's married a thousand women and he's chased after their false gods. Even the great wise king Solomon has made such a foolish mistake. So why should we do this great evil and act against our God? Then we get another note about how these troublemakers, as I said earlier, of Tobiah, they just don't seem to go away, do they? Sambalot was the other big name from earlier. Geshem is a third, but we have Tobiah in the chapter. Now we get Sambalot, one of his children. So his daughter married one of the priestly tribe. So here again, we have the influence of the enemy 
right there among the priests, among the priesthood. This is not good. So Nehemiah removes him. So verses 30 and 31 just provide a summary of the chapter of how he cleansed these evils from the people and established other duties to move forward as they would do what the Lord had given them to do. That's our text. That's the book of Nehemiah for you. They have rebuilt the city wall of Jerusalem, and they are reestablishing the the ways of the people as they read the book of Moses and, and hear the word of the Lord given to them. Let us praise the word incarnate, Christ your Son.